0: Good morning, uh, for those of you that don't know who I am that may be new here, my name is Ben Chattel. Um, I'm blessed to be the executive pastor here, and it's it's an honor to be a part of this specific series to be able to share what God has laid on my heart during this time of Advent. Um, this is actually the first time that I'm able to preach uh, on an Advent Sunday, so this is it's truly a, an honor to be able to do that with all of you, that um, we have made this our church home now, so I appreciate being able to, to celebrate this season with all of you. Um I want to begin by reading, and it's going to be up on the screen, uh, what has become a very well-known passage in the Gospels. So I want to read this passage. This is what is known as the Magnificat, also known as Mary's Song. Um, These are the words that Mary declared when she had found out the significance of this child that she was carrying. So I want to read this. It's from Luke 1, verses 46 through 55. So just before we get into things, I would like to just read this aloud, and you can follow along on the screen here. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he has promised our ancestors. Let's pray. Gracious God, we just ask that that your word would continue to be a lamp that lights our way. We just ask, Father, that your truth would continue to illuminate our vision of your Son, Jesus. Lord, we ask that the, by the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to hold your word so deep in us that not only would we, not only would we reject the sinful ways of this world, Lord, but that we would actually be aware of the joy that comes of experiencing the glory of Jesus our Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So like I said, we're in Advent, and as Pastor Rich mentioned with the candle lighting, we're in week three. So we've, we've talked about the gift of hope in the first week, and then we've talked about the gift of peace. And if you haven't been able to tell from the readings and the passages, that, that today we're going to talk about the gift of joy. Can, can I start can I start our time together with a little bit of a confession? I had way more trouble putting together a message about joy than I ever would have anticipated this week. I really, I really struggled to figure out from the passages, like, what, what is needed to be said here? What, what does God need to reveal to me? What does God need to reveal to us? And I really struggled on putting the pieces together to talk about joy, which obviously, I mean, when you look around in the building, you see all the Christmas decorations. I have an office full of hot cocoa and ornaments and cookies, and and you had the kids here singing songs of joy, and you had it was. I mean, if you have any any idea of how Parker is a little mini me, you saw that this morning. With <laughs> just she's like, no, I just don't. I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling singing. Just kind of stands there, just like, eh, eh. yeah, I like Christmas, but I don't want to sing. That, that, that was me this week. I'm like, I don't, how, what am I supposed to say about joy? And, and honestly, I do really love the festivities around Christmas. Like, I, I love the, the movies, the songs, getting together with family, seeing the lights and everything. I really do love Christmas. And I know maybe that's hard to believe from a guy whose expression normally is this, <laughs> that many of you have already pointed out over the last year and a half, I really do actually love this time of year. So, why, why am I struggling so much to articulate on paper how to talk about this message, this gift of joy? And honestly, what I had figured out is that with this whole idea of joy, for me, come with a lot of concerns. Because I think that, that times like this, especially with Christmas season, with holidays, a lot of times we equate... The experiences and the traditions that we do enjoy, that we, we, we find a lot of enjoyment out of, we see those things, those experiences in and of themselves as the source of joy. So when I talk about the gift of joy that we have from Christ, the gift that we have from God with us, I think a lot of times it kind of gets merged together with all of these things that we enjoy around the holidays, Think about, a, think about a child opening that Christmas gift on Christmas morning. They rip it open, they open up the package, and they find exactly what they wanted on Christmas morning. The gift that they had been thinking about, the gift that they whispered to a random guy in a Bass Pro shop, they got exactly, I hope there's no kids still in here, I mean Santa. Anyways, they open up that box, and it's exactly what they want. Their dreams are complete their life is complete they they have everything that they need they now have joy that will last everlasting how much time has to go by a week a month two months all of a sudden that toy that game whatever that was it's way way back in in memories past it could have been years ago that they opened that gift right for my kids, it's probably, we don't even know where it is. Maybe the dog ate it, maybe it's in a closet, maybe it's in the garage. It loses its magic. And then, not to just pick on our kids, think about us as adults. Think about those experiences that we have. Those vacations, those, those things that happen in our life where just everything lines up perfectly. Everything that we expected happens. Everything that we had planned just goes so smoothly, And our tank is full, right? Our happiness tank, our enjoyment tank, our joy tank, what we think is our joy tank is totally full. We've made it. All the sacrifices, worth it. All the difficulties, worth it, because I have this moment of pure joy. But then what happens? How long does it take for the stresses of life to just come rushing back in? How long does it take for those pains, those memories, to just come flooding back to us? All of a sudden, the realities of life, the imperfect things all around us and in us, start to reveal themselves. We no longer have that joyful feeling, that feeling of completeness, that feeling that everything is right and whatever that experience might have been. Now, does that mean that we don't try to enjoy life? Does that mean that we just shouldn't enjoy all of this? We shouldn't decorate? Of course not. But what it means is that although we enjoy all these experiences in life, we can't place our hope in those experiences. Those experiences can't be what makes all things right, like Pastor Rich talked about last week with peace. Those temporary things cannot be the source of the joy that sustains us. But and what I hope we can see in the text this morning is that true joy, the true joy that comes from the Lord, that's what we're gifted when we remember this time of advent. That's what we that's what we're gifted when we take this time to truly remember what we're given in our savior Jesus. What we see is that the source of joy is found in our redemption through Jesus. So if we could, for the rest of the time that we have, take all of the the stockings and the gifts and the decorations and the music, if we could just suspend all of that for just a little bit. Just put all of those feelings to the side. And let's try to ground ourselves, put ourselves in the place of a girl named Mary who finds herself prior to the revelation of this joy that we now have. See, for, for 400 years, prior to the birth of Jesus, it had seemed like God was completely silent. The people seemed to just have relics of the past to hold on to. Holding on to stories of the glory days of Israel, where God seemed to be ever-present with his people, The days when the children of God had been freed from the bondage of Egypt, right? Led through the wilderness to the promised land. They had songs from the Psalms of God's provision. Songs of God's protection. of Salvation. And yet, what did they seemingly have in their reality? Stories. Memories. But what was their reality that they lived in? their reality was still just as fraught with injustice, just as fraught with oppression, poverty, death. And sure, year after year, in the the calendar, they had their festivals, they had their religion, they had their, their rituals, but yet it seemed like their current reality never changed. All that was essentially was just what it was going to be for hundreds of years, for generation after generation after generation. And yes, I, I realize that for many of us right now, there are parallels to how we feel today sometimes, right? It feels like we do these things, we have these patterns, we have these rituals, we have these religious practices, but for a lot of us, sometimes our reality doesn't change. Sometimes it feels like The days of the children of God that were just stuck in that wilderness. And then, what happened? Joy, real true joy, had burst out of the wilderness. Redemption was about to begin. And this redemption came in the most unimaginable way possible. At the lowest place, in the, the place that means nothing to everyone. The fullness of God's plan for our redemption was found in the picture of hopelessness a poor, unwed, insignificant, and marginalized girl. At that moment, that was the moment that God decided to re-enter the scene after hundreds of years of perceived lack of his presence. Mary represented the entire state of humanity. Because of sin, because of our inability to, to really, truly put our full faith and trust in God, true life was not taking place. The world it was as if it was a desert, just absent of true life, absent of how things were designed by God from the beginning. But Mary, we see that when, when God reveals himself, when God reveals that he chose Mary to carry the Messiah, she had what? She had joy. She starts her song in the scriptures, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Now, when you look at Mary's physical circumstances, how could that possibly be? For generation after generation, how could someone like Mary, someone as insignificant as Mary, have any soul left to glorify the Lord? It was because of her faith. It was because Mary had faith in none other than God that was revealed in the prophets, that was revealed in the songs, that was revealed in the Old Testament. See, Mary was insignificant. Mary was impoverished, but Mary was obedient. Mary was knowledgeable of the scriptures. Mary was faithful. Mary was chosen by God for a reason because she remained in that hope That was passed down generation after generation after generation. She knew that what she has experienced so far in life was not how things were meant to be. And now she was invited to participate in that revelation that revelation that God, that Emmanuel, that God was going to be with us here now. And that the joy that she heard about in those songs, that joy that she heard about in those prophecies was going to now become a reality. And that reality was in the name of Jesus. So Mary did. Mary carried the Messiah. Mary gave birth to our Savior. Lovingly cared for him. Served him. And as she did this, the circumstances of her life still didn't change all that much. The conditions around her still filled with injustice and a lack of peace. Mary raised Emmanuel, raised our Savior, without the full revelation of that perfect picture of joy that she was foretold in the midst of ongoing hostility, ongoing oppression, that would even continue to carry on as we see in the Gospels throughout Jesus' life. Jesus, our Savior, our way of salvation, continued to be rejected to the point of being crucified as a criminal. The crime of revealing God's love to us. And in all of that, knowing all of that, Mary remained faithful. Mary remained joyful. So what got Mary through this, this anxious anticipation of what was? What was coming? What brought Mary through, through the pains of labor, the acceptance that her life was going to be forever changed? It was because thousands of years later people would have little Figurines made of her. And they'd put them on, on coffee tables. And because Michael English would beautifully sing questions of her intelligence. Mary, did you know? I'm joking. Like, the last two statements was a joke. I know that it's still a little early. But, like, she didn't, like, that wasn't what held on to her hope. Her hope was not found and people are going to remember me. Now I'm going to be, I'm going to be up on everybody's mantle. This is all about me. I'm going to experience this joy. People are going to remember me. This had nothing to do with Mary. This gift Mary knew was not about Mary. So what was it? What was it that got her through those trials? What was it that sustained her in her humble obedience, enduring the struggles that she had experienced? It was that the new kingdom was breaking through. We saw that in the Advent reading this morning. The new kingdom has now come. The joy that Mary knew was the joy that was foretold in our other passage this morning. The passage is in Isaiah 35. This is the joy that Mary could hang on to. This was the hope that Mary knew was now coming to be in the birth of her child. I want to read the words of Isaiah 35 in its entirety because this is a picture of what is to come. I know it's not a picture of where where we are at times in our lives, but this is what Mary knew was coming in Jesus. It says this, The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of God the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. And he will come with a vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come and save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert. The burning sands will become a pool, the thirsty ground a bubbling spring. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there, and it will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it, wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing, everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. When you dissect the the words of Mary found in Luke, you clearly can see the knowledge that she had of these Old Testament prophecies. In her words, you see reflections of Hannah's song in 1 Samuel. You see a remembrance of the promises that were given to Abraham. You see, in her words, the understanding that there was a promised Messiah in the prophets, one that will bless the world with true justice. His kingdom will truly be revealed in mercy. Mary knew that this child was not given to her as something for her personal joy, that this child was not a small glimpse of blessing for her faithfulness, but that this child is the way that we saw in Isaiah 35, that way to holiness, that way to redemption. This child was the promised return of our heavenly Father back to his beloved children. This was the prophecy that brought Mary joy. In the midst of her unknown, it's the same truth that we're invited to experience joy in today. In our unknowns. See, this text is the new creation promise to us, where all things will be made new. Where the new kingdom is here, and it's revealed in the life of our Savior Jesus. See, Mary believed what, what the Dutch theologian Henry Nouwen would later come to believe about joy. He said this, he said joy does not come from positive predictions about the state of our world. It does not depend on the ups and downs of the circumstances of our lives. Joy is based on the spiritual knowledge that while the world in which we live in is shrouded in darkness, God has overcome the world. Jesus says it loudly and clearly, in this world you will have troubles, but rejoice. I have overcome the world. The surprise is not that unexpectedly things turn out better than expected. The real surprise is that God's light is more real than our darkness. God's truth is more powerful than the world's lies. And that God's love is stronger than death. But we're not there yet. Are we? Since this has already been a little bit of my confessional, um, let's stay transparent. There's more reasons why I struggled with writing this message about joy than just the decorations and the ornaments and the confusion and the things that we kind of translate into joy. It's because the joy that we seek, we often have to seek while it still feels like we're in that desert, right? It still feels like we're in that wilderness at times. There are dry parts in all of our lives. There's dry parts in my life. There's stress. There's burdens that we're carrying. Yesterday morning, I talked to my parents and comforted them and said my goodbyes to my grandmother over a speakerphone, because probably any moment now, Alzheimer's will finally take your life here on earth. Those are things that we're carrying. There's a family like Pastor Rich said in the church that is say goodbye to their husband and their father this week. There's dryness in this life. There are painful realities that what is to come is not always here yet. Those those burdens that we're carrying is not is not that peace that God promises. But there's really truly no amount of of distractions and experiences that can free us from those those painful experiences that we have those those painful realities that many of us are finding ourselves in if anything sometimes those distractions sometimes those things that we work so hard to to plan and to do in spite of what we're going through a lot of times that causes us to be so busy, so focused on other things that we lose sight of that joy that is promised. One of the things that is is honestly probably the thing that I struggle with most about what it means to be a pastor is that there's just often a lot of times people myself included expect us to be able to, to change things in miraculous ways. That somehow I know or Rich knows or other pastors that we're going to know the right words to say that will just change our circumstances, that will somehow mysteriously pull us out of what is, what is causing us heartbreak, what is causing us pain. There's, there's times when the occupation of pastor has become a dispensary of things that we can't give because we're, we're in this just like you are. We're carrying these burdens just like you are. We have our pains and our, our anxieties, our struggles, but then also we're, we're in prayer for the things that you were all going through. We, we empathize. We, we invest so much time to be prepared and to be knowledgeable and to, to be available. But we can't create joy out of the deserts of some of your situations. We can't create life out of that desert. Jesus can. But that, that life that Jesus brings doesn't always eliminate or remove those circumstances, but what Jesus promises is that he's there in our midst. But sometimes that's not a satisfying answer. I mean, sometimes we honestly want circumstances in our life to just go away, right? I get that. But Jesus promises us his presence. Not always that things will change around us. And I do it. I recognize that we're hurting, we're all hurting, and that our faith can't be can't be placed in these experiences, that our faith can't be placed in words alone, but yet I fall into that trap too. I trick myself into thinking that I can make somebody happy. I can make somebody joyful, or that I can make myself happy. I can make myself joyful. We all fall into that trap of thinking that we can, in our own strength, overcome the darkness of this world. What does that lead to? That often just leads to us feeling like we're failing, feeling like God's not present, feeling like we're undeserving of his love and of that joy and of that peace and of that hope. But that's why, as Pastor Rich said last week, we, we can't keep Jesus in the manger. We can't just put our faith in the manger, in the birth of Jesus. We also can't just find our joy in the manger. When we put away all the decorations, when we, when we put the, the nativity scene back into its box, we also can't, with that, put our hopes and put our our source of joy and our source of peace and our source of love, we can't put that away until next year. Our joy is that the Jesus that lived and that we have four gospels of the life of Jesus, we have that Jesus that is still at work, still redeeming all creation to be how things should be. Holy, holy, whole, righteous, and good. Thankfully, that invitation does not always come with the expectation that we need to be happy, that we need to hide our pains, hide our struggles. We don't need to have all the answers. We don't need to have it all together. We don't need to work to decorate our lives and present our lives to God other than a child that needs redemption from their loving God. That's the freedom that we have. That's the joy that we can have because we can come with whatever we're carrying and know that God is with us. And how do we know that God is with us? Because God himself physically came to be with us in that darkness. God lived amongst us, and He is continuing to be alive in us and through us through the power of His Holy Spirit. The kingdom is being built in our midst. And can I just say, I know I can speak for Pastor Rich. We are so incredibly proud of the church that we get to be a part of because we know the things that you're all carrying, we know the challenges that we're all facing. And yet we all have experienced that joy over this last year. We experience the joy in all that has to come together every Sunday for us to gather and remember that we're a body. All of the volunteers and the hours in the decorations in this church, in the ways that we care for this place that Jesus has gifted us. But then we also, you know, when we really feel that joy, when we really feel like God is with us and at work, it's it's last week. When we had men, women, and teenagers going through those donations, going through those things at Duneland Church for Free the Girls, knowing that we were using our hands and our feet and our time together as the body to bring redemption for women that we'll never meet on this side of glory. But that was joy, that was new creation when we were pulling weeds and we were sweating and we were cleaning up trash and we were, we were making the property around Bethel Church in Gary look redeemed, that was the presence of Jesus bringing joy to a community. A community that oftentimes gets skirted around by many. But we, because we have the power of the Holy Spirit and we have Jesus Christ in us, we were able to bring that joy to that community. We had students throughout the summer in service projects, serving housing opportunities, serving the community gardens, serving around our community. There are moments where you can tangibly feel the joy of the Lord. But it's when we're loving one another. It's when the love of God is continuing to be embodied by his children through us. These are the examples that that echo what Dallas Willard says when he says that you can live the opposite of what you profess. You 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 don't have to live what you say. But you can't live opposite of what you believe. See, to believe something is is to act as though it was true. We can hear the right things, we can say the right things, we can create an image of what we think the right thing is, and still lack joy. But we find joy when we live as though we believe. When we live as though we believe that the joy of the Lord is true. That's when we get to experience those actions, those acts of love, those those opportunities that even in the midst of our struggles and what we're going through, we choose to believe that no matter what we face, our hope remains. Our joy remains. No matter how dry the desert may seem of our lives, we know that the waters of life are still coming. So this time of year, enjoy Christmas. Enjoy all of it. Enjoy it like you would enjoy a walk on the beach. Enjoy it like you would enjoy spending time with your loved ones, eating your favorite meals, singing your favorite songs. But let's remember to not rely on those things for our joy. To sustain our hope. Because as we all know, that those things aren't always promised in our lives. The joy that the Holy Spirit uses to empower us, to sustain us, to keep us, it comes from those moments when we're participating in the love of God. The love that is continuing to redeem. The love that is continuing to restore. The love that's eternal. Pastor Rich is going to talk next week to kind of close out our Advent series. He's going to talk about that love. We're going to dig deeper into what the gift of love is that we have in Christ. But for God to come down, the God, the creator of the whole entire universe, the creator of everything that is good, to come down in the way that He did, to come down and live in insignificance, to be born of insignificance, that's the love that we have. It doesn't, that maybe doesn't change all of our circumstances in the now, but that is the revelation. If we can believe in our hearts, if we can believe that God did that through Jesus, that's when joy beca- begins to become born out of our lives. Because we know that despite whatever we're going through, God loves us. God loved us. God loves us. God continues to love us, and he continues to draw us home to him. I want us to close with one more quote from Henry Nowen. I, I posted it on my Facebook earlier this week as I was reflecting this week and trying to prepare. I thought that this was a good statement to, to close our time together. It says, joy is essential to the spiritual life. Whatever we may think or say about God, when we're not joyful, our thoughts and words cannot bear fruit. Jesus reveals to us God's love so that his joy may become ours, and that our joy may be complete. Joy is the experience of knowing that you are unconditionally loved and that nothing, sickness, failure, emotional distress, oppression, war, or even death, can take that love away. Joy is not the same as happiness. We can be unhappy about many things, but joy can still be there because it comes from the knowledge of God's love for us. Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. And it's a choice based on the knowledge that we belong to God and have found in God our refuge and our safety and that nothing, not even death, can take God away from us. We're going to talk about that love again next week. Would you stand with me as we pray, if you're able to? God, I know that possibly more than anybody, I needed this message. That joy is something that is just so hard for us to wrap our brains around, to wrap our hearts around when we experience challenges it becomes so easy for us to be distracted by our current realities to, to keep our hope in what is to come. Sometimes it feels as though we don't have the capacity to truly experience joy in the moments that we face. Lord, I just simply would ask that you would reveal yourself in those moments to us that you would make your presence known to us like you made your presence known to Mary, to the prophets, to the mothers and fathers of our faith, Lord, that you would just make us aware that you're there in our pain. You're there, like, like Henry Nowen said, you're even there in our failures. Even when the pains that we're experiencing are our fault in some way, you're still there. And your love is still with us because the same love that brought you down to live amongst us that same love that caused you to live with those who would continue to reject you that's the love that we have we thank you for that love this morning and i would just simply ask that wherever we find ourselves as individuals that we would find our home here as the body of christ that we would continue to find hope in each other, that we would continue to find peace in each other and joy and love, not out of our own strength, but because you are at work in all of our lives. Just please continue to show your face. Continue to show your love. May we find joy again this time of year in Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you. We hope that you come uh, Friday for our Christmas traditions, and we hope to see you again next week. God bless. Love your neighbors.